Today our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew. I'll be reading from the 25th chapter, verses 14 through 30. Again, that is Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I would invite you, if able, to stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and paid five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talents in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew that Did you that I reap where I did not sow, that I gather where I did not scatter? You ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers, and on return I would have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For all those who have more will be given, and they who have an abundance. But those who have done nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. Well, first of all, as it's coming up, happy Thanksgiving to you all. Um, again, it, it's, it's a holiday that kind of gets diminished more and more. It gets eclipsed by those around it. Um, and it even gets taken up into some other things that, you know, it really wasn't meant to be, but I'm not saying these are bad things, but let's face it, when we think about Thanksgiving, we think about a couple of things that really weren't the intent of the holiday. We think about football games and turkey. Now, if, if you really imagine, if you also then think about the yams and the dressing and all the other things. So basically, we think about food and entertainment. And we're thankful for those things, but in truth, the essence of that holiday is that idea of being thankful for what we've been given. You know, and that sometimes can be a hard thing, to be thankful for what we're given. Because sometimes when we're given something, we think we deserve it. We think we've earned it. And so in doing that, we forget about the fact that it was given and take it as an earning statement. And if you think you deserve it, 
then why do you need to be thankful for it? I mean, at the end of a hard month's work, when your employer gives you your paycheck, are you thankful or you just said, well, I earned it? I mean, now most of us are polite. We would say thank you as well. But the simple fact was, is that we made a contract with somebody and we did what we needed to do. And in that contract, they then had to do what they needed to do. <coughs> and so that's the principle of earning. Now, however, in this particular story, we have three servants, or which use the less politically term correct, or less politically correct term of slaves. And that's one we don't like to hear because it has such a negative connotation. But we have to understand in this context that's really just showing you how vastly different the power was between one and the other. Not only did this master own the talents, he owned the slaves. These were his people. So these were all part of his property, which makes the story a little more interesting when you really think about what it is. It's not just he simply gave it to three people who worked for him, three people that he hired, but three people that were also his property. And so he gave them vast amounts. Does anybody remember how much a talent is worth? You're close. Multiply that by 15. It's 15 years wages. So think about the guy that got five. That's more than a lifetime's earning. I mean, the guy that got two, he could possibly pay that off if he, he, he failed and lost it. And the guy that got one, he could definitely earn that back more than likely in his lifetime. But again, these aren't workers or laborers. These belong to the master. And I know in our world that's kind of a hard sentiment to get around, but also remember, when we have a parable, what often is the point of the parable? The people in the parable, the characters, the way it's set up, is to remind us of our relationship with our Father in Heaven. And sometimes I think we forget. We, we get so, I don't know, messed up or twisted or turned around by the world. Instead of Jesus being our Lord and Savior, Jesus is our buddy. And now, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care for us. I'm not saying that singing the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, is in any way a bad thing. But sometimes we diminish that and we don't realize the actual inequity and power gap there is between us. He is the creator. We are the creation. We belong to him. All of us. And so we need to read some of these parables through that lens. We need to hear that through not just Jesus was a righteous man or was a prophet or was some great person who was elevated. No, Jesus is God, God with us, the Son of God that came down unto us. He is our creator. All things were created through him. Not one thing that is in existence was created without him. And so that is what we need to understand first and foremost when we talk about Jesus in some of these parables and even though they seem very harsh when we put the worldly standards, when we put them in the correct context, our understanding of who Christ is, it makes perfect sense. Thank you, ma'am. I will. And Christ, Christ deserves our loyalty. He deserves our trust. He deserves us giving him our best. Now, in this case, they're talking about three individuals who were given three different amounts. And why were they given three different amounts? Based on their trust, well, actually, it was based on their ability. And that's another thing we don't like to talk about in this world. We're all the same. 
Everything's the same. I used to love this. If you grow up, you could be anything you want to. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you were Shaquille O'Neal, you are not going to grow up to be the world's greatest jockey. There is not a horse big enough. Now, he might have a chance for the race if he picked the horse and carried it. That's a really strong big man. Okay? That's just simple physics. And so that doesn't mean you shouldn't have the same opportunities. But you also, your opportunities in our world view should be equitable. Our opportunities in God's view should be exactly based on what God knows. He knows your character. He knows your abilities. He knows how he created you and what he created you for. And so the opportunities that will be provided to you are perfectly in line with how he made you. And they're not going to be the same as everybody else. When it talks about spiritual gifts, does everybody get the same spiritual gifts? No. They're each given them according to the will of God. And does everybody get everyone? No. All are given some, some more than others. And they're all different, but they're given to the whole. Now, reading some of the commentaries on this passage, and I'll tell you, there are some folks in this world that so much want equality. They want everything to be the same. And so anything that is different from that, they want to try to twist it. And so here, I clearly tell you, when these talents are given out, five, two, and one, each according to their own ability, those three slaves were not the same. They did not have the same abilities or they would have been given the same amount of talents. They each had their own abilities, and this was known by the master, if we're still holding to this to be representation of our relationship to Christ. And so these experts warn preachers when preaching this text, especially during this time of year, because we're getting ready to go to Thanksgiving. But before we get to that, what was tonight? What's the big deal we're doing tonight? The Stewardship Supper. Now, I ask you this. They say you should not use this as a stewardship sermon. And I say, why not? That's exactly what this is. Is this parable about stewardship? And it absolutely is about stewardship. And to say it's not is to be in denial. And is to miss the opportunity to really explain. Now, we say stewardship. And here's the funny part. Do you think we all mean the same thing or know the same idea when we say stewardship? Do you think everybody instantly is on the exact same page when I say stewardship? I mean, there's certain words you can do. If I say wet, there might be something. But if I say water, we all know what water is, right? But when I say stewardship, there's a little leeway in there. So what is stewardship at its core? What is the most simplistic definition of stewardship? I'm sorry, say again? Good use of assets. Good use of assets. Well, that's getting a little more complicated than, than I want to start with. I'm going to go back to the very basic. No, that's, we're, we're, we're going to get there. But basically, a steward in the old world was someone who would fill in or take someone's position and maintain it. They would take care of what they were given. The steward of an estate would make sure that the estate was kept clean, that you know, the bushes were trimmed, that you know, no poachers came in and took stuff. Their whole job was to take care of what they were given. Now I ask you this, if that's the definition, if that's the most simple definition, were all three of the slaves good stewards? That's a tough one, isn't it? Because we all know where we're going with this, but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. 
if you start with just that simple definition, every single one of these slaves was a good steward because even the one that buried it in the ground and was rebuked for that was a good steward because he took care of his master's money and gave it back in full. So that's the simple definition of stewardship. And I believe with that definition of stewardship is why people are really cautious about saying that this is in line with stewardship because it then gets confusing. Now, to take that a little deeper, it's a good use of the resources. So stewardship would also include taking care of and maybe even growing the resources, investing them, using them for the greater good, using them to build up the whole of whatever context they were given in. So for the two slaves, they were told, well done. They not only maintained and cared for, they invested and grew. With that, they made the household, and that's the other thing to understand is, you know, again, this is a very loaded term, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to keep using it because sometimes terms get taken so far out of context that we can't even use them anymore because you only think of one version. In this case, these slaves were, they belonged to the household, they belonged to the master. But you know what? Because of that, they were fed, they were cared for at a time when many people were not. And so they had safety and security. And if you think about that relationship between us and God, if we are truly his slaves, if we truly belong to him, then we can expect that he will care for us, and that we belong to his kingdom. And therefore, the work that we do naturally should support what? Ourselves? Our own personal growth? No. It should support the kingdom. And so in that way, it's a richer view of stewardship. And that's why I say this is definitely about stewardship. Now, the problem with that is that because words can be nuanced, because ideas can be warped and taken out of context, there are many who, from the pulpit, misuse this and other passages like it to teach what I call the prosperity gospel. And I'm going to tell you right now, the prosperity gospel is one of the most vile, ungodly warpings of the teaching. Because in the prosperity gospel, what they say is, if you want God to bless you, then you need to give first. They take, let's look at these first two. They invested. When they invested, what? One got five more talents, the other got two more, so they both doubled. But they'll even take this back to, remember the, the, the parable about the sower? And they cast seeds, and when they cast it on the good ground, some receive 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And these, these charlatans will stand up and tell people, if you send $100 to my ministry, if you send $1,000 to my ministry, you are going to be blessed by God. The only way you can be blessed by God is if you reach deep into your pocket and you share your talents. You invest your talents in me. See, they're using some of the scriptural words, and some of it sounds almost like it could be true. We all know that God will bless us, right? And we know that God wants us to serve him. And so then the natural leap they make is, in order to get God's blessings, you must first serve him. And in this case, by writing a check or sending him some cash. Now, I say these are the worst charlatans because if they truly were amassing this wealth and then using it to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to provide homes for the homeless, to spread the gospel far and wide. If they were truly using this all, not for their own benefit, but for the good of the kingdom, then I would say I, I get where they're coming from. So that is the 
where I would say the prosperity people are completely misusing and misunderstanding the idea of stewardship. Now, that's the big negative. The sort of coming back from that is what I call simple stewardship. Now, in simple stewardship, we believe that we are called to be blessed and be a blessing to others. We believe that the gifts that we have been given, we are called to invest in the kingdom and invest in God's people. Amen? And so we do that. And this is where we come to some other things. So Eric, I'm not trying to step on your toes. He's got a great presentation, and this is not tied directly to that. But I will tell you, when stewardship drives are done in a lot of churches, they're done completely and totally only with the bottom line in mind. And that's too simplistic. It doesn't really look at the whole of what stewardship is. Yes, the simple matter of the fact is that in this world, we've got to pay bills. In this world, we have to maintain. I mean, now granted, we could worship anytime. We could worship in that parking lot out there, but given how cold it was this morning, I think there'd be a few less people here. And those that came, there might be a few less of them the week after because of the colds they got. And so having a nice, warm, dry place to come in and gather and worship is not a bad thing. We live in a material world, and we need to use materials, and that costs money, that costs time, that costs resources. And these are all things that we've been given by God. They're not evil in and of themselves. You ever heard the thing that money is the root of all evil? That's wrong. It's the love of money. Money is neither good nor bad, just like a lot of things. It's how they're used, how they're approached. Even stewardship, which I think is a great thing to preach on, but it can be misused horribly by those who would enrich themselves. But also can be misused by those with the greatest of intentions. Because within that idea of stewardship, we begin to start looking at the church kind of like a household. I mean, what's the worst thing you could do as a young person or a young couple getting married? Outspend what you make, right? Then the debt stacks up, then the troubles begin, and life is just miserable. Now, obviously our country doesn't believe in that. They just figure we could just print money. That's funny, except for every time they do, you guys lose money. You're like, no, I have the same amount of money. You may still have the same amount of numbers in the bank, but let me tell you something. You can't buy the same things you once could with that money. And so that's really not a good solution, but I'm not a politician. No one asked my opinion. I'll give it where I can, but that's not a good way to look at it. And so the simple way of stewardship is just sort of taking care of investing and making sure that we cover our bases. And that is not bad. It's just simple. And it's not the whole story. You see, because in true stewardship, in the stewardship that God intended and the stewardship that is taught in this parable, yes, it is about caring for that which you were given, caring for those resources. It's about investing them. It's about wisely putting it forward. It's not about going, you know, God did not, if one of these servants had gone to Vegas and put it all on black, he would not have been told, well done, good and faithful servant. It would have been with the other guy out in the darkness. And so it's not about being risky or crazy, but it's about being responsible. 
But in that response, it's also about trusting. So I talked about what are the things that we have to utilize. What are the greatest gifts that we've been given? Time. You can't make any more of it. Now, granted, we all have different amount of years that we're given, but when you get it down to the minutes and the hours, and the days and the weeks, we all have the same number of hours in a day and the same number of days in a week, and so on. Now, some are better at managing that than others, and others have greater commitments, and so there's not a, we all should be exactly the same, but we have the same amount of time. The question is, what are we doing with our time? How are we investing? How are we using it? So time is an important. Abilities. Again, we don't have the same abilities, but we all have abilities. So how are we using the specific abilities that we have? Are we using them for our own personal gain, for our own happiness, for just our family unit? Are we using them for others? Are we using them for the kingdom? And the last one, this is a touching one. Most of the gentlemen here are sitting on theirs. The wealth, the money, the dollars and cents. Now, we all have different abilities, so we all have the capability of earning different amounts, and based on how we've used it in our lives, we, you know, and we also have different amounts of debt, and so there's a whole bunch of things. So I would never sit there and tell anybody, you must give this or you must provide this. That is a misuse of this. But those are all great gifts. Amen? But what is the greatest gift that we've been given? Christ. The gospel. The greatest thing that we've been given and are called to invest and be good stewards of is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our Savior who came down as God Emmanuel, God with us. The one who went to the cross on our behalf, died in our place, therefore winning our salvation. The one who makes the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. He releases the captives. And we're not just talking about people in prisons or incarcerated. We're talking about the captives. And let me tell you something. If you, haven't, if you don't know what a captive is, look in the mirror. We are all captive to this world and this worldview because we're constantly forced to look at it. We're constantly forced to acquiesce to it. We're constantly forced to conform to the ways of this world in one manner or another. Christ came that we would be free. And free indeed. And he came to free us because he is the truth. And of course, according to Thessalonians, what, what else did Christ claim? He is the light. And we are called children of light. Not to walk in darkness. Not to be confused or taken over by the world. Yes, the world is a dark place. And there's times when that darkness will encroach in our lives. But that darkness will never defeat the light. The light that has come into this world, the light that we are called to be part of, the light who we belong to, the light who we are slaves to, just to put it candidly. Now, I know no one wants to hear that, but let me ask you this. Would you be rather, rather be free in the, in the grasp and the clutches of darkness and death? Or would you rather be a slave to the Lord of light and life, who has prepared it abundantly for each of us? in his kingdom view, when we work and we invest, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this to serve the kingdom because what we're doing it with is what he's already given us. It is absolutely true. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Now, how we do that, again, just as God gave us different abilities, he also gave us different minds. 
And so you have to make up yours. How can I better invest? Are you ever going to do it perfectly? No. Do you ever feel bad about the way in which you do it? Lots of people do. Trust me, as a pastor, I constantly get people, you know, come up to me and say, well, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. It's like, um, my answer is always the same. Do, it, do what is right between you and the Lord. I'm not the Lord. I work for him. You know, but I'm in, I'm in the same boat y'all are. I don't always use my gifts and talents to the greatest use. Matter of fact, I didn't even know my option was I couldn't preach one Sunday. But, you know, I got that in my pocket now. So, you know, Jenny, Tony, you want to go play golf next Sunday? <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't play golf. Well, I play at it, but I'm not that good. Last Sunday we talked about that we were supposed to keep alert and be prepared. And that's still true. This Sunday, that we are called to be good stewards, which means we are called to be thankful and acknowledge the gifts, not our earnings, not what we deserve, but our gifts, to be thankful for those gifts, and then to invest them in the kingdom, according to the words of Scripture, according to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember always this. There are some truths that can never be taken away. First is, God has provided. You are breathing in and out, even if there's something wrong, even if you can't see as well, even if you're lame, even if you are sick, even if you can hardly walk around, you're still breathing in and out. That is a gift. If you are living, that's because God gave you that gift of life. Is it everything you thought you deserved? Again, deserve has nothing to do with it. It's a gift. So God has given to us, and he's given to us abundantly, more than we could ever deserve. And the other one is Jesus Christ is and will come again. When that happens, the kingdom will be established, and all darkness will be banished forever. And whatever trials we went through, whatever pains, whatever sufferings, and sometimes even whatever good things we thought we did but turned they were selfish themselves, all that will go away and all that will be left is God Almighty, the kingdom he provided, and those who he says, come into your master's joy. For you are here to worship at my feet. You are here because you belong to me. And because you belong to me, you will live eternally and abundantly and beyond anything could have ever desired. That's why I say, don't try to earn it. You could, Bill Gates can't earn enough to be that happy. No one can. It is all about the free gift of Jesus Christ through the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father God, I give you thanks and praise for this day. I give you thanks and praise for this chance to gather and worship. I thank you for all the faithful people that have come before us and all those who we prepare to leave this to. But beyond our time, beyond our efforts, let us simply bask in the glory that is your Son, Jesus Christ, to whom we belong, mind, heart, body, and spirit. We pray this in all things in Christ's holy name. Amen. <clears throat>